Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. All right, hey, and welcome everybody. This is the the Man Up Podcast. What is this? This is like podcast number forty nine. Good thing we got a counter on the recorder here. Yeah, and we're so glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland Baptist Church in Sugarland, Texas. So if you have a globe, we are in the second largest state in the union, which would be Texas. Go down to the southeast corner. That is Houston. Southwest side of that is Sugarland, and you get to the high steeple people off of the freeway. That is us, Sugarland Baptist Church. <clears throat> this is the Man Up podcast, and we're not pastors; we're just regular guys trying to have a more spiritual and deeper meaning in our life. And so, what we do is we gather every Sunday for the Adult Bible Fellowship or Sunday School, where we're it's only men. So. If you want to brag about something, yes, brag, because this is a man's class. But if you're hurting, yeah, you can do that too, because we're men. We're here to build each other up, and we're here to encourage each other. And we're talking about things that are unique to men in the spiritual realm. So, And with that, uh, we are in the uh, Bill Perkins uh, book, Six Battles, Every Man Must Win. Uh, we are in fighting, I believe it's the third battle, uh, fighting, uh, fighting for your family, family, not with your family. Mm-hmm. And oh, hey, the professor just came in. I'm going to have to step up my game now. So uh, that's right. And so we have an awesome panel. And like I said before, we're not pastors. We're just regular guys. I'm going to go around. I'm going to introduce the fellas first. And then I'm going to let them uh, talk about the lesson, and then we'll get into it real quick. And once again, uh, we have our favorite prosecutor. Hard to say that you have a favorite attorney or prosecutor, but we have one. We call him the judge. Michael Cropper is here. Hi, everyone. And also, we have a class deacon. He's an insurance guy, but he is also the person who recommended and is moderating the study. And his name is Kyle Trahan. We call him the deacon. Uh, Also, we have a class intellectual. He's a policy writer, but he happens to be a bit of a professional gambler, too. So we consider him an expert in risk management. Mr. Steve Titch is here. And coming in late, but he's got an excuse from his wife. So we're going to let him in here anyway. And he is... that is... working, man? Up? No. <laughs> oh, no. oh, that's right. What was that? This is man up. You don't need an excuse from your wife. <clears throat> he is a trainer at a Fortune 100 company. Uh, also very well-bred and a nice guy also. We call him the professor. professor uh, Robert Koshu is here. As Good well, evening. So. <clears throat> and with that, I'm going to turn it over to uh, start off with Michael Cropper. Uh, introduce yourself so they can recognize your voice and give your brief uh, summary of uh, this lesson. 
Uh, thank you, Bill. Uh, hi, everyone. It's good to be here. We are looking at the six battles every man must win. Bill does a very good job of presenting that each time. He, I think he didn't say it this time, so I'm going to tell you what it is. Uh, the book is from Bill Perkins. Um, Kyle Trahan has been leading us in the all the lessons, and he's leading in, the, in this one as well. Um, the lesson we're on, Bill did mention the lesson, and that's fighting... Uh, Fighting for your family. I went to the previous lesson, fight for personal holiness, but fight for your family. And the main text and the mo uh, most important thing about it is a fight for your wife. And uh, we are going to get into that. I look forward to that hearing from the other guys. We had uh, somewhat of a, a, t a lesson on it Sunday morning, and now right. we're going to go into deeper, deeper study with it. So. Kyle. Well, you know, uh, it's one of those things, you know, that... Uh, we can get busy in life as men and you know work is consuming and you get home and you're tired and you don't pay attention to the family the way you're supposed to and uh, that can sometimes bite us in the butt and so that's what this lesson is about to try and remind ourselves what we're supposed to do before it becomes an issue and a problem and you find yourself divorced or whatever. Okay. You know. Great. Steve Titch. Well, again, yes, it's uh, about relationships. Every, everything kind of that, that plays into uh, almost all the lessons we've talked about. And that um, it, we're in a culture, we're in a society which um, the author uses the term bullying, but yes, it's, it's, it's constantly pushing against you and sending you messages about materialism, sex, um, drugs, um, escape, and that uh, you've got to be active. Um, you can't afford to be passive. You even even if you don't indulge in those things. We're going to things that we're going to talk about. That fighting for your, your family means um, uh, not being passive, being active, uh, not just hoping none of this stuff gets in, but really. Um, not only actively trying to keep it out, but also setting a, a different model. Yeah. Excellent. Professor. Yeah, good evening, everybody. Um, I like the passivity. The other thing is, is, as you look at battles, we're in a spiritual war. You know, our, the enemies of God against the men of God. And I want to talk a little bit about how you can get distracted, and we're talking about today, fighting for your bat for your family. There are times that is the right battle. There are times the battle that you think you're fighting when you're fighting for your family is the wrong battle. And there's a great history analogy in American Civil War, Gettysburg. Gettysburg happened because Jeb Stewart, J.B. Stewart, Robert E. Lee's trusted cavalry lieutenant, got distracted and fought the wrong battle. He was off running around and got caught fighting a large cavalry battle, and Lee got trapped in Gettysburg not knowing where the Union forces were because Stuart didn't pay attention to his, to his original plan. And so Stuart fought the wrong battle. And I think it kind of ties into the two we talked about before. There are men who they fight the battle to support their families at work, and they think, I'm fighting for my family because I'm working. Absolutely, yeah. But they're missing the real battle. And so I think that's a 
distraction that we can kind of watch out. We have to remember as we look at the battles, it's not about each individual battle. It's about the long war. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you, and yeah. uh, before we go much farther, what I want uh, to point out is the fact that particularly in this book and in this context among these people, fighting is not bad. Fighting is standing up for your beliefs and putting a mark, a line in the sand, and defining, this is where I am. And if you cross this, there's going to be repercussions. There will be consequences. Absolutely. You know, and that is entirely it, it, a man's thing and a man's right. Discipline your children at your office. You know, I, I had an interesting experience at the office. Some of you guys know I've kind of been doing with the decision at the office. And the decision came back yesterday, kind of totally looking at it going, what are y'all thinking exactly? You know, and I had my line in the sand moment, and I said, yeah, I'm not going to be here after April 6th. Or oh, you're going to go. Huh? Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. y'all drew it. I, I said, here's my line in the sand, and y'all went totally sideways. Why am I even messing with you anymore on this? Right. You know, but it, it's definitely, it, as you said, Bill, it's, it's what men do. Right. And, and, it's part, and, and it's part of being, we always talk about man up from a leadership perspective. Right. And it is all about being a leader. You know, you have to have your general to lead your battle. You have to win your personal battle so you can lead your total battle. Well, we like to be leaders for a period of time at work, like right. you said, right? But we don't think of that as caring 24-7. And, no. and the book is what is guiding us back to. We're to be leaders with our spouses, too, oh, at home. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and we forget that. And it's not, I don't think it was intentional. It's because everything tells us we deserve to recreate right. and to relax and enjoy ourselves, right? So we let our guards down. And the next thing you know, we're doing it. A You're lot. fighting the wrong battle. Yes. You're fighting the wrong battle. Yes. It's a good way of putting it. Very good way of putting it. I'm sorry I interrupted you there, Bill. <laughs> I'm going to ask a question for Pat because, because he's a... <laughs> well, what is the right battle? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There wow. Is, uh, well, I mean, and, and we talked about it. So, so I'm, I'm giving him an entree. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> wow. What is the right battle? That's a tough question, though. You know? Um, you know, as far as in the book is where I'm going to go with it. Um, you know, fighting for your family is, is a real tough battle to do, you know. I, I love my wife dearly, you know, um, but it's easy to get lost, you know, like I said, in your work and everything else and forget to spend the time that you're supposed to with your family, you know. Um, and, you know, as far as the, uh, he brought up some great verses, what was it, uh, Ephesians 5.25. Um, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, again, we're supposed to be everything for them and be able to, what did he say in there? Um. Uh, you want, to, you want to sacrifice everything because you, your job isn't to make her better, but your job is to get everything up for her. Well, and also, it, by you manning up, you're making them feel secure. 
prime example uh, of this is I'm not a weapons guy. I, I don't like guns. I, I can just imagine if I had one in my home that I would end up getting shot with it. Or I wouldn't be able to control my temper and do something I would regret. However, I do want to take care of my family. And I have a ball bat that is really close to my bed. And I'm counting on the fact, and my son asked me this, said, Dad, what if somebody comes in with a ball bat, with a, with a, uh, with a gun, and all you have is a ball bat? I'm counting on the fact that that person will hesitate just that millisecond thinking about what Michael Cropper, the prosecutor, will do to him <laughs> once he shoots this guy and he comes in his home. And I will beat the bejeebas out of him with a ball bat. And the funny thing about it is I walked in on my son talking to my wife about it. And, and uh, she asked, my wife asked my son, <clears throat> do you think dad will be able to protect us with it? <clears throat> and Andrew goes, mom, I have no doubt dad would take this ball bat and beat anybody with it. And... And it gave her a sense of security that I was looking out for her. Mm -hmm. Well, after, after Hurricane Ike, not Harvey, but Ike back in 2008, we got broke into and actually slept, on the, slept in the living room the night after we got broke into because mm -hmm. the guy had come back around and not recommended behavior. I got in my car and chased him down. And yanked him out of the car and sat on him until the sheriff showed up. Wow, <laughs> and, you are a and, man. And, 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 and my wife was like, he's going to kill you. I said, well, if he hadn't come back around yet, he's pretty much a coward. I've done figured that out. Right. <laughs> and right. so I'm going to mess with him until the cows come home now. And my right. wife, like you said, Bill, my wife was like, wow, you, you're kind of... You know, there's You're a, kind of burly. I, I, I grew up in Galena Park on the east side of Houston at the height of Urban Cowboy. Went to high school with Mickey Gilley's son. Right. Yeah, you know, right. the 1979 John Travolta movie for our listeners. Right, and right. I wear boots pretty much every day, everybody knows. Um, there's a pretty good redneck streak in me. Right, right. <laughs> that can go and mess in with my family. That's <laughs> right, that's right. Brings it out in a bad way. And, and I often think about it as, I mean, not only from a farm perspective right. or a shepherd perspective, but uh, the farm perspective, which is uh, close to me, um, it's putting up the fence and allowing your family to play and be as industrious or do what they want to do inside that mm -hmm. pen that you have created without any worry for their safety. And that's pretty much the uh, intention well, and, and of my protection of my family. <laughs> you got a haircut, Kyle. Look at you. Well, that was my show prep. I was going to go back to, because in the, in the book on, on, page 50, on page 62, he quotes uh, Ephesians 5.25, which we smoked. Uh, right after that, um, he talks about his own wife. God wanted me to love Cindy, Bill Perkins' wife, sacrificially. That meant I had to put effort into our relationship, not sit back and assume it would take care of itself. Um, I, I wrote a note on that, that the fight 
The fight essentially is you're fighting for, or you should be fighting for the integrity of the relationship. Um, not, just, not just your home and hearth, which is part of it, but what, what that battle has to be is uh, that, you know, for the continued growth of your, of your relationship with your, with your wife, the most, you know, the most important other human being in your life. And yes, you're, you're going to put her needs above yours, um, and you've, that, that kind of means you constantly, you're never going to be thinking about her 24-7, but you've got to be thinking about her a lot, and you've got to be putting that effort into that. Um, it, it's an interesting, he says then later on page 65, most men would die for their wife, which we're kind of... <laughs> If they are at least, at least run out well, the door and, 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 and sit on a sit on a, a, yeah. a looter. Yeah. Well, um, and, and I was going to get to mm-hmm. that physical thing is the first thing we're commanded yeah. to do. Yeah. And, <laughs> so, and then we start the other. Yeah. So, so yeah, most men would die for their wife. The bigger challenge is living for her. How that's that's where you know we get convicted because yeah we are we are certainly we we certainly the, the physical security the economic security is part of it. But um, you know, are we are we living for our wife and by extension <coughs> our, our children? And you know, you're looking forward to you know life with that spouse. You know um, that I think of you know a young couple get married this year, baby pops out next year. <laughs> they may have dated for a year or two. You know, they're in their early twenties. Then they have kids. I mean, uh, look at Rob. You know, he's what? I don't, I don't know how old he is, but, you know, five kids and all that. What if he and his wife don't continue to fight and to enrich their relationship when those kids are grown and gone? What are you left with? Well, Shell of people so many times. They become empty nesters, and they're like, "Oh well, now I have to learn the person that they've become." And and that no, is the, you're supposed to be doing that the whole time. And that is really hard. I mean, not not just again. It's not one of those even in bad distraction things. <clears throat> it's it, and it, and it affects so many couples. And and I don't I don't sometimes the church tries to do things in terms of having date night out and things like that. But it's a it's a fact that parents get involved with their kids. And it it it, it, well, it takes up they they it takes up more time and 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 uh, they rarely it, they rarely it rarely gives them time for each other and, yeah. and and many many pastors will say you gotta take time out for each other right. and and that's that's the tough part when kids come along you want to be there for your kids no no question about it it's a good thing to be there for a kid and and that balance is really hard well and what Kyle just described and I'll tell you this mm-hmm. what Kyle just described was mine and my wife's life. We got married in 1989. We had Spencer in 1991, our oldest. Our youngest son, Cameron, graduated from high school in 2014. And so we basically became quasi-empty nesters in the sense that he was away at college. He'd be home at Christmas and summer some. But, yeah, but he's not really living at home per se. Right. So we had a period of time from 1991 to 2014, so 23 years basically, where it wasn't just me and her. And I will say this, we were the quote-unquote good couple that tried to have 
date night once a month. Tried once or twice a year to get away just the two of us. Because we had family here in town that could watch our children. You know, until they got old enough where we could go without them. You know, and tried to do some family vacations. We were also the parents who were heavily involved with our children. You know, I'm, I went to so many high school football games when my kids were in band. I became a football high school expert in that time frame. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but we, even us, we had to learn, we learn each other a little bit when the kids moved on. Well, it changes. It, yes. it The dynamic we, changes well, we, because... We, ch we had changed. Right. You're changed. getting your life back, but you're, you're getting your life back as a 50-some-year-old yeah. instead of a 20-some-year-old. I was it, 49. Oh. <laughs> not quite 50-something. <laughs> yeah, that was years ago. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. He heavy on the was. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to say. But, <laughs> right, so it, it's an ever-evolving process and of, of discovery and rediscovery and uh, setting goals, reaching goals, working together. I... I my parents who just passed away, they were married 65 years. 65, yeah. And the difference, though, is wow. on a farm, both parents were needed to keep the farm going as a family farm and to do their each individual roles. Mm -hmm. But what a lot of people don't understand is when you're the leader you create the environment that you're going to operate in and if you man up sometimes you're not going to be able to lead because of health because of some kind of issue your work issue but if you've done your job as a leader your family will not fall apart right and and i want to talk a little bit about and Kyle the passivity he talks about Passivity well, you know, I've written in my thing, you know, um, in my notes here, uh, we cannot be armchair jockeys with our family, you know, and that's easy to do. You know, you get tired, you just want to flip on the TV and forget the day. It, it, and it, it, it's, it's the classic, Steve said it, you know, his dad, and, and the classic day we all live, you know, I, I hit my office 6.30, 6.45 most days. I stay till 5.30, I, do, I eat lunch, but I don't really take a lunch hour. And all day long, people are coming up to me going, spit word out, broken, Robert figured out and fix it. <laughs> you know, to where, and then I unfortunately have an incredibly long commute at the moment. So I spend an hour and a half getting home. I get home in time to eat something. And by then, quite frankly, I'm exhausted. <laughs> you know, I want to be, leave me alone. You know, there is either a U of H football, basketball, baseball game on TV, or I'm watching some superhero show, war movie, something that I can just watch things blow up <laughs> and have caught this. Yeah, and have caught this there. You know, but so I can't be passive. Well, you know, he said that, uh, and the the author said the bad news is that passive men don't. Uh, usually act until a marital explosion gets their attention and then it's usually too late. And I've seen this plenty of times with my friends. You know, um, I, I know of a couple off the top of my head that if he doesn't wise up, she's gonna go. 
and he will be SOL. And he's going to be typing out SOS on anything he can get because she is so wonderful to him and for him and with him and because of him. But he's, he's a big blockhead. You know, and he's going to he's gonna wait until it explodes. And, you know, so it's that's why we have to fight. And, you know, for me and Sarah, you know, we knew relationship is not easy. We know it takes work. I mean, you know, everything else in our life takes work. Why would your relationships not? All right. Um, we were dating for 10 years before we actually got married. So after 10 years, we actually knew we were ready to commit ourselves to fight for the rest of our lives for our relationship. You know, just whenever that is. It's not a daily thing or anything. But if something gets in the way, we know that we are going to stop and fight together to save our marriage. You know, I'm only getting married once. I've already done it. You know, and she says the same thing. You know, that this is our marriage, and we're going to make sure it works. Uh, you know, uh, and that's what every guy out there is supposed to do. Well, I, I have a former pastor of mine that he, he looked at me when he talked about it, and he said, the, the way you have to approach this is you have to think like this. Divorce never. Murder several times. Never divorced. You know, as far as how he thought about, you know, his right. relationship. That, that we have to literally look at it from the perspective of, there is something different, and I think, was it in this book, and I will look quickly to verify, yeah, the Barner Research Group, that Christians are just as likely to end up in divorce yeah. as normal, unchristian people. And that actually, that is a scary statistic because what that means is our faith is not having an impact on what arguably is, as much as I love my children, my children can be utter blockheads at times, mainly because they're guys. Take after their dad. They, they do. <laughs> I freely admit. And every man everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Right. I freely admit, you know, a good friend of mine at work, she said that guys have the Y chromosome, which we, all, which we women call the stupid gene. <laughs> you know, but, but all men are blockheads to a certain extent when it comes to this. And the fact, if we're not letting... The most important thing in our life, our spirituality, our Christianity, and our faith, impact the most important relationship in our life with our spouse, then what is the point? Well, well uh, can, can we look just a second? Yeah, what the author says, folks, <laughs> if you don't catch practically speaking, first of all, the author identifies three areas that he had to deal with in his life. We're talking about fighting for our relationship, folks. And, and, and what we call fighting is really paying attention to our spouse. Okay, which you've all said in more, more ways than one, but the author said he had to do these three things in order to get his relationship back with his wife. He said he had to take time every day to listen to her with his full attention. Yeah, I was going to say, okay. the last part's the <laughs> Full attention, right, yeah, right? Full attention. Pray for her every day and pray with her every day. Pray with her every day. And now here's the killer. Show her non-sexual affection every day. Okay, now, folks, our wives or our girlfriends were attracted to us because we were manly. You understand? You, 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 she was drawn to you because you represented something to her 
that could protect her. Never in your life would you think later that you have to be different. Now, it sounds, when you read this book and this passage that we're looking at, it looks like we're becoming, we're going from a protector to being a counselor and a teacher for our wives. Which, in reality, I guess this is what we are because Christ says loves your, you love your wife as you love the church. And that would have been hard for me to understand. I would not have believed that whenever I first started in, in my teens, 20s, and everything. But what I'm getting at is here, it, 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 I don't know how many of us, our dads, were like that to our moms. We're right. actually, well, here, here's the, the, so it's, we, it's the starting point that is different. Women, men look at women when they're dating as they are. They uh, something about them. They're attracted to them, whether it's physical, uh, <laughs> mental, intellectual, whatever. Women are look at men based on what they could be and what they represent to them. Or in other words, men are looking at women as a static point. Women are looking at men, and when evaluating a mate as a point in the future. It's a dynamic point. And whether you are able to step up your game and make it to that point will be how the wife grades whether her choice was good or bad Mm -hmm. based on her future needs. There was a thing that I, Mm -hmm. I reposted from Facebook um, a woman cannot change a man because she loves him. A man changes himself because he loves her. Yes. Oh, dude, yeah, that's, that's why you're the deacon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, that's exactly she does it. Wants you to change because yeah. we're she will make you and change. She want us to change. But we don't want our wife to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. 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 Stay just as you are. No, no, <laughs> it. This is the whole thing we're having to deal with and we're learning about. And yeah. he's absolutely right. The author's right. Well, and, and he says, kind of along Mike's way, further along in the book, in this chapter, he actually says, sit down with your wife and ask her four questions. Yes. Number one, do, I, do you feel I give you my undivided attention when you're talking to me? Absolutely. You know, I, I, I confess... I fail regularly on that because my problem is, as a guy, my job is to fix everything, right? Right? We, mm-hmm. we've, we've talked about this. Oh, absolutely. And, and your wife is telling you something in your brain, you heard, this, is, this went wrong in her job today. Right. Your brain is instantly in, okay, well, here's what she needs to do. She that's needs right. to go to her boss. Oh, and, and We're going to fix her. That's right. Anything after that. That's right. You know, so that's number one. Number two, he says, do I show you enough non-sexual affection? And, and hey, we're all guys. We have a hard time drawing that line. Because what we interpret, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm always, I am often, often reminded, Brad Paisley, country singer, has a great song, I'm Still a Guy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and he says, yeah. Yeah. you know, when you say a back, back rub's just a back rub, but you slap my hand when I try mm-hmm. in the song, you know, what does your wife want? She wants the shoulder rub. What are you thinking? Not more, not just the shoulder rub. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but, you know, and, and that's something we struggle with as guys because we're 
guys, you know, God, God we're blockheads. Yep. Well, um, yeah, the more, the more questions there, yeah. Robert. Do you think we prayed together enough? Now, that one might be fairly easy for guys. In comparison to the other two, yeah. I'm going to actually throw out there, out of these four questions, including the fourth one I'm going to read in a second, that was probably the easiest one to do. And the easiest one for us as guys to accomplish because we don't have to fundamentally rewire ourselves to do it. That's right. Right. You know, That's the fourth right. one, do we spend enough time together? And I can tell you, as you move through seasons of life, and Bill, Bill and I are in a very similar season of life. Our children are about the same ages right. as each other. And that is, you would think it's easier to do now because our kids are older and moving on. And yet I find that other things, parents, <laughs> get in the way of that. You know, you, you think, oh, when our kids are grown, it's going to be awesome. We're going to be able to spend You find there are other things that will take your time. It's never easy, is it? No. And, and it's something you have to make. You literally have to make a conscious effort at it. You know, and, and it's not just we're sitting on the couch watching TV unless that's what we agree to do. It is deliberate spending time together. You know, now, you know, my wife and I record about four shows a week. And Saturday night, unless we decide we're going out, that's the night we, that's mm -hmm. our agreed TV time. <laughs> You know, that we're going to watch these four shows together that we have recorded through the week so we can sit down and watch them. But I think that's something we all have to sit. And I think this is part of that, is to move from the passivity. We have to work these four questions. I think at times, especially if you're a dominating man, which I'm sure we have a few of them that are listening, um, you just have to give the reins over to the wife and just let her go with it and do so in a manner that is exciting for her not not giving over the security but just give over the direction let her know that you trust her and just see where it see where it goes and enjoy yourself a little bit of difference you know that's well, that's no. well that's something that's the only nitpick I have with this chapter. Um, because I, I like what you're saying. He doesn't go as far as you. Um, he talks about fighting for your wife, fighting for your relationship. Um, and, but in many ways, he, he almost says, uh, he almost advocates, says it's the, it's the man's role to take responsibility for his wife's spiritual growth which I think in this day and age is going a bit too far. And, and I'll discuss it. I think, I think you have to be your... If we're going to keep up the battle analogy, which he does, you, you, you're fighting your battle, you're fighting the battle for your family, you're your wife's most important ally. Teammate, um, absolutely. But you can't... There are going to be have to, have to be beaches, spiritual beaches she will have to take. Now, you can provide the support... Can provide the covering fire to, to, again, to keep it going, but I don't think as I don't think in any relationship you can take responsibility for someone's own growth. You can certainly support it, and and that's that's where that's my only bone to pick in this chapter. I think he goes a bit too far there, um, 
it's, and I, I didn't say what, what, what Kyle would think or what anybody thinks about this because um, You're, in a way, I'm, I want to go back to what you were saying. You've got to let your partner sometimes take the reins because at the same time, they will, she will have things to teach you and things to help you grow oh, yeah, as well. My, my, you know, the, my, our spouses mm -hmm. usually yes. help complete us. <laughs> yes. mm -hmm. uh, you know, my wife is really strong in areas that I'm really weak, budgeting and mm -hmm. all that. She's fantastic. Mm -hmm. She doesn't like it, but she's really good at it. Uh, uh, I, I would be broke the rest of my life <laughs> if it wasn't for her. Yeah. You know, yeah, and so they do complete us. You know. Well, well, and, well most of my real, real quick. Let me say this. Yeah. Um, yeah, most of you know I'm divorced, and uh, my no. ex-wife. Yes. Not a Christian, Mike. Yes. Christian okay. Divorce. Uh, most of uh, my ex did not want to go deep in the Word. Did not want to go. Funny now, though, she is. Since we divorced, she goes to church and goes to Bible studies and prays now, but she did not want to do that when we were married. So your spouse has to want these things as well as you. In other words, right? Your spouse has to want to let you lead in that or, or desire to go deeper in the Word of God and, 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 and spiritual life. I think it's not spiritual that, life. It, it is also a leadership by example. And then, like Steve said, it's a leadership by example of being the head, showing the way to go, providing the support. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I love the analogy of landing on the beach <laughs> and providing the covering fire. I'm all into that. Yeah, yeah. you Navy guys, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Military, that's right. No, us Navy guys just brought the people to yes, go to the I beach. Yes, I know. Stay on the boat. <laughs> but and and I'm gonna, I'm going to go ahead and stretch it kind of into the second part of this chapter. In the same way. Has, has fathers, three of us have children in here, four of us do, I'm sorry, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Um, have children, yours are, like ours are a little older actually. But our job is there, once again, we can't force them. You know, now at my house we did enforce the, you're living here, you're going to get up and go to church Sunday morning with us, mm -hmm. rule. You know, now, after that, you're just praying to God something stuck along the way. That your right. example mm -hmm. and your leadership, that that's stuck. That's correct, yeah. You know, as they go through and they develop those morals and ethics. And I think that's kind of the <clears throat> same thing you were alluding to, mm -hmm. that, you know, that I, I cannot force my faith on my children. Mm -hmm. I can live that faith out in front of them. Mm -hmm. I can provide and take them to the beach. <laughs> yeah. I can well, provide, I can provide a... a really good role model for them, providing supporting fire. Mm -hmm. And I can provide the information, Kyle, you know, give them the supplies they need to do what they need to do and make sure they have opportunities to grow in their faith. I can do that with my spouse as well. Sure. And as men, that's really our job is to lead them there because like you said, Steve, we can't make them. You know, mm -hmm. we're we're not the, the sure, I would have liked the, to have made his wife not to that stupid apple. Well, prime example, my wife uh, was a, a casual Catholic and before I brought her here. Mm -hmm. Well, now she's a deacon and has been one for many years. 14, and right, and and the thing about it is, we got involved in loaves and fishes, the soup kitchen, when it looked like uh, a prison down there, and it was not safe for her to go. 
And by me going with her, not only did she get me involved, but I made it safe for her to participate. Mm -hmm. And we're able to expand each other's horizons by using each other's strength. I'm not much of a missions guy. I've done all my traveling uh, pretty much overseas. Uh, I'm I'm content to be here in the U.S. My wife loves to go on mission trips, and she loves doing that kind of stuff. I, I prefer to serve closer to home. But because of her passion, it's I get out of my comfort zone to make sure that she can do it. And so, and that's the give and take of the relationships helping each other and I always call it this your first round draft pick that's your first wife okay your second wife for you guys that are divorced and remarried out there understand this and if you're honest you'll you'll agree your next wife is your second round draft pick and if you're honest about things She's not as valuable as your first round pick. Why? Well, number one, you're not as young. And number two, obviously you're a little bit jaded, and she may be too. Word I had in my head. And she may be too. Mm -hmm. And so it may take a little bit more work. Okay? Mm -hmm. But understand this first round, second round, third round, whatever it takes throughout your life and there's different seasons of life seasons and reasons well it's the same thing that we've said before you know everything that we've done brought you to where you are right this moment exactly you know making you the person the man the woman the whatever making you the person you are and you know good and bad yeah you know um i'm my wife's third husband you know, she married two guys, one that was good, but all kind of weird things. The other was, you know, a drunken hitter. She walked right there, you know, as well she should have. You know, there's no reason to get violent, although we're talking about battles and fighting, you know. Um, that's just one that's really not acceptable. Um, you know, but it's those things that she learned from of, oh, now I need to watch out for that. Right. You know, and you try to make sure that you don't make those same mistakes again. Mm-hmm. Uh, My third round pick's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but our, our wives are ordained by. Cleveland Brown is over here. That's right. That's right. Right, right. Yeah, but our, our marriages are ordained by God. You know, um, Proverbs eighteen twenty two says, "He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord." Mm-hmm. You know, um, and there's plenty of other references, but I'd like to take this to the kids a little bit before we we wrap up. You know, all of you guys have have children, so I really wanted to see y'all's aspect of it. You know that uh, you know in the way my eyes. You know, of course, I don't have any kids, never will. Um, you know, kids are to be a legacy. You know. Um, that, as you said already tonight, you know, you point them in the right direction, you give them the right supplies, you do everything you can, and with all of that, hopefully they take the right choices, or mostly, and they become your legacy. You know, uh, you know, I look at Andrew, and, 
you know, know he is fulfilling that legacy. He is a good kid. He makes good grades. He's, you know, being a responsible man. And, you know, he's going to be a wonderful legacy for you. You know, um, it's going to be formed out by your blood, sweat, and tears over the years. You know? <coughs> I, I think forming is, forming, forming is a great word for raising children. It, it really is. Mm -hmm. You know, my, my two kids are 26 and 22 now. My youngest will graduate from the University of Houston this December. <laughs> you know, so he'll be off the dole. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it, it's been a forming experience with my kids. You know, having them grow. And, and some of it is building memories. And I have different memories with each kid. I have common memories that all three of us share. You know, we went camping and sat through a severe thunderstorm five miles in the backcountry in our tent. You know, did a 10-day road trip to five different baseball stadiums. You know, my younger son and I have great memories of U of H football. You know, taking pictures at the Peach Bowl after we won together and doing stuff. My younger, my older son and I, we have memories of hiking and backpacking with scouts together and running around and doing our craziness, you know, and doing Astros games together. Him and I have done more Astros games, especially since he's gotten older and moved back to Houston. And though, But forming those memories and the things that you tie in together so that you have that relationship with them. And Bill, I don't know, I, I feel like I have a better relationship with my children now than I did when they were younger. No question that, about That's it. a goal. That's really a goal to have. Yeah, um, because, because I don't have to be, I, I can still be dad, but I don't have to be dad. That, <laughs> right. that is, that is a hammer. Exactly. That is how um, I hope it goes with me. Um, and, and because so often, I mean, that's it's 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 almost a it's a theme from great literature to I mean we, we have it in the Bible already to pop you know the whole dad fathers and sons thing, um, and I guess because it's so universal. But and 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 Mike mentioned it a, a little while ago about you know kind of being a more than a role model and being we. The, the, the five of us grew up uh, with certain patterns, certain family patterns, good or bad. Um, but I, for purposes here, they don't apply anymore. Um, you know, my dad went to work every day. My mom stayed home. Um, she was a housewife. Uh, my dad, you know, went kind of nine to five, came home, and, you know, that was... You know, there was it was as I said. I think I said before, maybe on maybe during Sunday school, kind of the the madman generation there from the sixties and uh, now. My son Nick sees uh, sees mom and dad working at home. Sometimes mom is working at night, um, but uh, dad and mom can come see him during the day. They can see his teachers, and he he's growing up in a completely different family environment. Um, and and different things are modeled. So so, dad for him is no longer the guy who puts on a, a a shirt tie and suit and goes to work in the morning and comes back in the afternoon comes back after school's left and mom's making dinner. Um, and it's interesting how that will all you know affect him down the line. And uh, it's a reality. I mean, we could we could sit here and say, oh, we missed the good old days. Uh, but it's a reality. We, we, we can we can do that to the to we're blue in the face. It's not going to change where we are. 
I, I, kind of where I'm going this, and I'm, I go back to, to Genesis 2, and I think it's, it's interesting to point out um, there aren't any roles, gender roles, for Adam and Eve. <laughs> That only comes after the fall, where you know, yeah, you know, you're gonna, the men are gonna have to till the soil, the women are gonna have to bear pain in, in childbirth. But uh, the closest it comes is that Eve is is created as a helper, um, but that can mean uh, uh, many things. Uh, so there there are different <clears throat> you, to to man up in this environment in this day and age doesn't necessarily mean the guy who goes to work. It means the guy, it, but all the time I think it means being there for your family, uh, being there to, you know, to build those relationships with your children and not sacrificing those to the, to the wrong battles. I, you know, I think, uh, as, as just to throw in my two cents on this, manning up for the family, especially when you have children, means leadership when everything is in flux. Be flexible with your leadership. Uh, nobody told me how to be a dad. I'll never forget when I called up my dad and told him that my wife was pregnant. And my dad goes, so you're going to be a parent? I can't think of anybody more deserving. <laughs> and, and you know, I wasn't the easiest child to raise. And, uh, and to a certain extent, Neither were my children, but I manned up and raised them anyway. And the, not only do you have to do that, your children, but you have to change and adapt because your wife and your family situation has changed. And, you know, you go from just being two people to being two people with a child and I and I tell people the difference between having one kid and having more than one when you have one you have a kid when you have two or more you have a family and that's the thing a man has to be flexible with his leadership adapt to the situation and adapt in a way that's going to make your wife's life easier you know well and and i'm gonna i'm gonna go a little further with that and then i'll add on to what she said there at the end it's also knowing when you have two children i had two boys who could not who they were five years apart but could not be any different than two boys could ever be you know i mean two totally different and both of them have in the last five to six months acquired serious girlfriends and my wife were joking how the two girls fit the two boys so well and were so different, but yet so alike. You know, my wife actually celebrated because both boys dated women who were shorter than her. Oh, <laughs> and my right. wife is 5'3 and threw a big right. party because she was the tallest. Right. Um, yeah. and, then, and then going back to your last comment, keeping your wife happy. And, and my head instantly went to the old adage, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's right. That's right. Happy and wife, happy, happy life. life. Yeah. Right. And, and so that went so. All right. Awesome. Uh, awesome lesson, uh, Kyle. And uh, any uh, final comments uh, from the panel or Kyle before we uh, wrap this up and get ready for the next one? You know, one of the 
the things that, uh, you know, reading this lesson for myself and thinking about my wife, you know, again, I don't have the kids, so I didn't uh, dive into that one as much, but, you know, doing some of the things that, you know, just small things that we can do add a lot of richness that the wife will take, okay? Um, you know, sometimes we are blockheads and we forget those things that helped woo the woman over to us, whatever it was. Maybe you opened the door for her, you know, the car door, the grocery store door, whatever. Why do I gotta keep uh, working at that? <laughs> yeah, that silvery's still supposed to be here, you know, and so sometimes it's even just going back and, and cycling through some of the things you don't do anymore that she used to love. Well, guess what? It's 20 years later. You get to get away with it. It's new again. Right. And you can actually do that and get away with it. And it, it will really make major differences in life. Um, you know, or just find something new. You know, uh, surprise her with a picnic or something. You know, um, women love that stuff. You know, and it's not difficult. Maybe out of our comfort zone sometimes, or for some of us. But most of the stuff they want us to do is pretty darn simple stuff. Well, and, and I'll throw out there real quick. You know, in Houston, we have Nowhere Outdoor Theater, which is a free theater. You can show up with your picnic basket, your bottle of wine, and, you know, okay, I'm a geek. They have the Houston Shakespeare Festival. I actually like it. I'm sorry. But my wife and I, every year, we annually go to the Shakespeare Festival and watch both plays. They do a tragedy and a comedy. And it's quote unquote free. I gotta pay for food. But my <laughs> wife loves that. Yeah. You know? If only they would do it outside of August in Houston. Yeah, and totally. Miller Outdoor yeah. Theater <laughs> would be perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, exactly. But my Date point night, is, whatever. you don't have to find expensive, no. nice restaurants. It mm -hmm. is it is the little things. Go walking in the park. Yeah. yeah. You know. Holding her hand whatever you know so uh, I guess the whole point is just to remember to fight you know don't go passive and just let life go on by as you'll end up finding yourself somewhere you don't want to be you know um, which kind of brings us into the next lesson actually um, so the the next two lessons that uh, we'll do are both going to come out of chapter 7 um, which is battle for fight through the pain um, so a little bit different than what you know you would typically think. Uh, you know, when I first thought about you know doing this, you know, I think Steve. Well, because Steve fell through a roof and he had all kinds of pain. You know, but this is going to be diving a little more into temptation and how we can medicate ourselves or anesthetize, you know, uh, whatever bad feelings you're having through things we shouldn't be doing whether it's sex or porn or drugs or alcohol or, you know, abusive personalities, whatever your choice of, you know, outlet is, um, will be what we'll kind of be doing. Excellent. <clears throat> and thanks so much. This has been uh, Man Up Podcast number 49, and it is Holy Week. And I just want to make sure that uh, although we didn't do a Holy Week lesson, Remember, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and of course the Super Bowl for all the Christians out there, uh, Easter. The reason, and remember the reason for the season. And make sure that you participate in the festivities 
get involved in a Bible-based church, get involved in a men's only group, and if there isn't one, start one. This is Man Up. You can find us on Facebook. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. If you have a question, post it to our Facebook page, and we will answer it here at the Man Up Podcast. Happy Easter. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man Dash Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.